Tamala Man is the greatest singer I ever heard in person. I bet a lot of y'all probably haven't heard of Ham Tamala Man. But we'll if, you, look her up. If, you, if you love gospel, if you're a Christian, but if you just heard the the meme like "Truth is, I'm tired," like bro, she is the. That's I, the goal. I've never heard <laughs> anyone. Have you heard? I have never heard anybody sing as good as Tamla Man, bro. I mean, so serious. I mean, I'd have to. I haven't been there in person, but you know, just listening, she's like a Fantasia type Jennifer uh, Hudson type level. No, of, no, not even, not even Jennifer a, Hudson and Fantasia. Are a type like Tamla man, like that's mm. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There's no one like I'm never saying heard, that for the I, people that don't know. For the people that don't know, yeah, I never heard Beyonce. You feel me? I never heard Adele. Beyonce I, I, on I, that like, level. Honestly, I don't think. I'm sorry, I don't think they could compare to Tamla man. I'm being real. And and she's singing from her soul, like she's singing about the Lord. So you know she praising, she praising God. You know she coming, he's coming deep. What's coming deep from in there, from the bottom of your chest? But but that's my theory too. I really think that gospel singers are the best singers on the planet. Best I, oh for sure. Like I think there's there's something and there's a reason for that too, why a lot of these like R and B singers, pop singers, they yeah, draw a lot of influence from gospel. Like yep, they exactly, that's where they start. That's where they all start. That's where the best ones, the best ones you know start. Yeah. Yeah. They sound exactly like the radio like for real performance wise they're the they're the greatest ever too like you said beyonce beyonce started off in the choir that's how you learn how to how to perform too but going to i'm joshua potts mr possible always with a brother with the same mother aaron potts super hot potts and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two back what is this week seven in a row yeah something week seven eight i don't know i'm, I'm losing count now this we, is just we, the we new go, normal man. now this is the new normal it's not even like we're not back anymore we're just here we're two like runners soon enough the apple podcast will update you feel me because at first it used to say weekly then it went by like bi-weekly it then went like monthly we are definitely back uh to weekly schedule so it's nice yeah man feeling feeling in shape like when you get those runs in you know what i'm saying you got seven weeks seven six weeks of running in you like dang like okay you know we're starting to get somewhere we're just getting some conditioning in you know what i mean we, we just putting the base down right now no facts and it's nice too because i feel like the podcast as a whole we're kind of like developing a new style of doing things it's been a lot of just me and you kicking it and talking and i think it's been great and we've been bringing on guests that's come on too and like just talking about a whole lot of stuff and i think that's what is going to continue and we have a great podcast really in this in store we're gonna have a great interview coming in a second with uh abigail holly uh she's one of the one of the heads at ridc the running industry diversity collective and she's going to give some great, great insights coalition man coalition oh my bad my bad bro my bad i i, I have it i have it straight like in 15 minutes believe yeah. me i have it straight in 15 minutes the running diversity industry coalition uh that's what she's a part of and then plus we're going to talk about some ncaa's that's coming up this saturday everybody's always hyped for cross country but before we get into anything else this just we just heard about this this morning we always record on mondays now so we heard about this this morning we had to add it into the podcast and because we had to talk about it. we had to talk about it the World Athlete of the Year's nominees came out on the women's side. The five finalists, I should say, the five finalists of the World Athlete of the Year nominees. We got Faith Kip Yegon, Yulimar Rojas, Sharika Jaskin, Jackson, Femka Bull, and Tisket Asafa. All are five nominees. But the big news from this, there are five finalists. The big news from this has to be the one and only, that girl. I'm not back. I'm better. Shakari mm. Richardson was left out snubbed as the five finalists for World Athlete of the Year on the women's side. That's going to be the conversation for sure. That will be the conversation. She's out of it. She's our 100 meter world champion, bronze in the 200 meter, a championship record in that 100 meter race. Aaron, did Shakari deserve a spot on that top five? I think she does. I think she does. When you look back at this list, like 
I'm not taking off. I'll tell you who I would take off to. Not even to be disrespectful with it, but Faith Kid Vagon, we know what she did. One of the best seasons ever from a middle distance athlete. I'm not taking her off. Yulemar Rojas, world triple jump champion, Diamond League champion. Maybe she didn't have, I mean, she's always crazy. Maybe she didn't have like a world record jump, but I'll keep her on. And then I think this one's interesting with Sharika Jackson, 200-meter world champion, 100-meter world silver, and second fastest 200 of all time. Similar to Shakari's stats in a way, but she was the 200-meter world champ and got a silver. But that second fastest of all time, that that's what I think keeps her on this list for me. Uh, Tigis Asifa, the marathon world record. Some people might be like, bro, that is just one race. Like, how could she make it off one race? That world record was insane. 211, that was one of the greatest performances that we've seen all year, male, female, whatever. But then the one I would take off personally, I would take off personally is Famig Bowl. 400 meter hurdle world champion, indoor 400 meter world champ, uh, world champion, world record. It is a world record. It's indoor world record. I'm sorry, indoor world records. I mean, they're cool. They're cool. <laughs> I mean, world champion against no Sydney. I mean, that, 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 that's cute. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, but Shakari to me, 100 meter world champion, championship record in that 100, uh, bronze in the 200. But we're also forgetting about the four by one. She led that team to win the four by one, which is always a big thing for the U.S. I know we won the year before, but to come back and be like one of those big leaders on the team and do that, that's that gives her uh, three three medals from that meet, two golds, you know, and one bronze. I know you can say for me, I think they got... They the, won the 400 meter. They won the 4 They won the 4x4. Four. Four four. They did win the 4 After she fell on her face in, in the mixed, mixed relay. relay. That is true. That is true. But I think Shakari's individual championship is stronger. And she has two individual... She has two individual medals. Famik has a mixed relay. Did she get one from the mixed relay when she fell? No, nah, they, they got DQ because she so, fell, dropped the baton, everything. It was all bad. It was all bad. But you have to, you have to, because people yeah. were commenting. I saw a few comments saying that like Shakari, she only won one race the entire year. That's not true. Shakari won a lot of races. Sleepy, she was basically. Why does it, she didn't even get that like, at all. Besides though. like the semifinals of like the world championships. But. What do you? What does that mean about uh, Atigas Asifa? Then she, she, I mean, she won more than one race. Oh, well, she broke like, a world record though, so I think she deserves to be on that list. As in the marathon, I'm not saying she like doesn't. they can only run like one marathon a year. But then you also got to consider Femke Bowl. She didn't really lose. Like honestly, like we, I think that's main reason she didn't lose at all in the. But end Sydney didn't winter. race the hurdles. Uh, true, true. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying she didn't lose at all in the indoor 400 meter. At all, she didn't lose at all and broke the record. She was dominant at that at that portion of the year. Uh, outdoor four four hundred meter hurdles didn't lose at all, but like like you said, didn't have the competition in the past couple of years. But in doing that, she still ran the second fastest time ever in the four hundred meter. Talk hurdles. about competition. Who did Shakari beat? Sharika Jackson, bro. Like. Oh, facts. The girl that just you. ran the second fastest of all time, bro. The mommy rocket. Like that was, this is like the toughest competition in this women's sprints that we've seen in like, you know, maybe ever. Like, so if you want to consider that as well, and, and that Jamaican four by one that they beat too with Elaine, all them, like, bro, like, come on, man. I don't know. No, I hear you. I hear you. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it from this perspective, because I think there's going to be a lot of outrage over this. It's going to come, it's going to come up definitely when people start hearing about it. I just want people to understand that, like, it's low-key. I think Shakira should be on this list. I would take off. I would even low-key take off Yulimar Rojas, too. I would take off Yulimar Rojas or Femka. I think Shakari should be on this list. So what she did was amazing this year. But I also understand why you have her off of this list as well. Because also, it's like, how is she not on this list? There's a three-way voting system, they say, about the World Athletics Council, the World Athletics Family, and then the fans vote on social media. Shakari smacked everybody on Instagram through the likes. Yeah. On Twitter, it wasn't really, like, the same. So, like, somewhere in the World Athletics Council and the World Athletics Family, Someone didn't like Shakari Richardson. That's what I'm, I'm like. I'm to be real about it. Someone didn't like that and was all like, "We can't put her on that list." So they broke it down in that way. Maybe they didn't like her, but they they broke it. So I I, I hear their reasoning because Yuli Mar didn't really have her best year either. But it's all like she won four world championships in a row. So 
I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's. I mean, you could twist it and turn it however you want, and look at it from so many different perspectives, like you said. So it's like, what do people? What does World Athletics Council and World Athletics Family value? You know what I'm saying? That's what it comes down to, because everyone could give a different opinion on and spin it a different type of way. So maybe somebody didn't like her. I don't know. But she should at least be top five. Like, come on. No, she definitely should. She definitely should. And World Athletics are making some really big decisions and definitely going into this next year as we go into 2024, heading into this Olympic year track season is going to be amazing. And we heard some big news regarding media, really regarding us and a lot of people and our a lot of colleagues that we've uh, grown the new over the past couple of years. Uh, World Athletics from the Daily Mail announced that World Athletics teams have been told by the governing body that content creators such as influencers will no longer be allowed in mixed zones, event, uh, mixed zones after events, which will be the domain only of professional journalists. Instead, content creators' lounges will be brought in to cater for those who wish to attend. The move has been made in an attempt to restore some credibility to mixed zones after athletes were pers- pestered for selfies by fans masquerading as reporters what does this mean for track and field aaron if you read it too quick you're like oh okay so creators aren't allowed in the mix zone but then that's like there's going to be the content lounges which if y'all haven't seen them go look up the post shout out to track world news for for uh for getting this out but if you look at the the post you can see what we had at prefontaine we basically had this space right next to the mix zone that was more just kind of relaxing and friendly like people could come a lot of our interviews if you've seen our interviews if you're fans of us you know we had that locker in the background you could sit down it's more like um it's more like you know quick fun questions that people will ask athletes or like sit down interviews and it's a really cool space so to have that at multiple meets, I feel like, yeah, like it should be at every meet because we know how much attention, if y'all follow this podcast and y'all listen to the one we had with the black women, with black women of track and field with uh, Demetria Carter, um, T and and Caitlin, go check that one out. But there's a lot of attention that they bring to the track and field world. So that means more opportunities for us. If this, because if this is in more places, there's more opportunity for that content to come to life. So like, Hearing that part sounds good, but then they ended it with saying that to restore credibility to mix zones after athletes were pesters for selfies by fans masquerading as reporters. That's just not true. I mean, <laughs> am I, no, I, that's I've just seen, not true. Honestly, I've seen journalists do that more than uh, quote unquote content creators. Oh, I know exactly who, who I know exactly who that was too. I know I don't even want to call her call him out. I'm not even gonna say who hey, 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 y'all in Jamaica, y'all be wild and that's all I'm gonna say. And the Jamaican reporters, they be wild and <laughs> bro. I, I, I'm saying there's multiple Is that who they talking about people do that. But I don't see there's there's not uh I haven't seen well, I've seen people pester by doing that, but I've seen people have been doing it pretty respectful as well. But I do understand the the uh restoring the credibility to mix zone as in like journalist as a way but it's kind of just the but i think it's a good it's good to make this distinction of like who's a journalist and who's like making content and it's good to have content creators because a lot of journalists out there's a lot of journalists that are they're very um it's only one form you know what i mean yeah. it's it's written or that's a lot of it's written or, or it's video interviews, just an interview with a blank background or whatever it is. But to have these different type of videos that can be made after a re- after a race and interacting with athletes, I think that's where we can get like the most engagement. Because when you have uh, a video of Michael Norman or Ryan Benjamin or whoever it is talking after their race for six minutes, like that's all great and dandy. Like we love that. We love for them to be vulnerable and talk to us for that time and gives that space even after a big loss. But that can only live on for so long and be like transferred over to so many people unless it's like such an inspiring like message. But if I can get Ryan Benjamin or Michael Norman pulled over for a second and we do a quick fun reel, that may get like a million something views, a whole bunch of likes and like reach somebody that's never even heard about Michael Norman before and be like, be able to connect immediately and like be able to connect immediately because like they don't care about how they finish in that race because they don't even know, like they don't even know the stakes of it. They don't even understand the stakes of it, but it's all like 
I can understand this funny question or this cool edit that they made. So I think that's why it, it's going to open the doors up for a little, for and invite more content creators in, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, but, it, and it does, it does though, in a way, it does legitimize the work of the content creator. And the um, reporter and the journalist. And the reporter. It's like, hey, that's what you know when you're in this space, you're here to give, you know, everyone on you like this you're taking these questions when you come to this space we're making con like social media content that's going to be living on different social media platforms some of it still might be sit down and kind of journalistic or whatever yeah but you know it's going to be curated and formatted like content in a way so to the athletes it legitimizes it to the athletes too though because they're like oh like this is a space where i go here for this this is where i go for this and we've just we've seen the success now from multiple events. And it's cool that we got to be a part of the origins of this. And I'm excited to see as it continues to grow, like over over the years, you know, what is the content that we're going to start to see the new creators that is going to open the doors for. That's what makes me most excited. It's like the younger person that maybe watched some of T's content or my con or your con our content content or any of our friends content like there's some kid out there that's a super big fan of track and field that is about to have an, an opportunity now to come in and take everything that we've done and to another level I now join us on the podcast. We have a very special guest, honestly going to be a great conversation for in the middle of this. And I think y'all are going to learn a few things about the running industry and especially about the running industry diversity coalition. Join us now. We have Abigail Hawley. She is the host of the Abnormal podcast as well, where she shares deep and thoughtful thoughts about testimonies and Christianity and everything on top of that end as well. She is the program manager of RIDC. And honestly, she is getting ready for the cookout going down at TRE this November, really supporting all the black individuals, men and women involved in the running industry. Well, not just black, uh, we're talking about this Hispanic, Latino, Asian, anybody bringing in a little bit more spice into the running industry. Abigail Holly is joining us on the podcast right now. Abigail, how's it going? How's you doing? What an intro. Thank you for that. Thank you for the shout out to my podcast as well. Find us at the ABN podcast on Instagram. Um, it's going great. That was that was a nice hype up to get Absolutely. into the conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I want I also wanted to start here. We're going to talk about running. We're going to talk about a lot about it running. Uh, but in the beginning of this podcast, I was telling Aaron that I just I just saw Tamla Man in concert. Greatest singer I ever seen in my in, in person. Greatest singer I ever seen in person. I, I'm saying really? that hands down. I don't think there's anybody better than her on planet Earth. I think God has really blessed her vocal cords. <laughs> I gotta ask I you. I agree. I would agree. <laughs> I gotta ask you, who is the best singer you ever seen in person? Oh. That is a great question in person, like live. Okay, can I say a famous person then a non-famous person? Yeah, I, yeah. Okay, I saw, believe it or not, Summer Walker in person. I'm going to say I was not prepared for how, like, that's exactly how she sounds. Like how you mm -hmm. hear on a recording is exactly how she sounds. And I heard her before she was really famous. So it was like a small concert. Oh, that's, that's dope. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know her, her that well, but oh my gosh, that one, like, I think I actually teared up because I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then my second would actually be my best friend who I think beats out everybody. Her name is Peyton West. She has been singing all her life. She's been singing since she was a kid and she literally sounds like an angel to me. So anytime I think about best voice, she's like number one in my mind. Did she got a mixtape or anything we could shout out? I know, out? I should be dropping one. Like I think for she real. does live concerts. She usually like will, she'll do performances. Like she's sang at my wedding. She'll sing with a band. Like if they have a concert or something, she'll do things like that. But I don't know. You gotta, I don't even know what to promote of her. She's just a great person, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just shout out to her being wonderful. 
It's just oh, like yeah. an Easter egg. You just got to find her on the street one day and just get yeah, the, just the best singer in that. the world. But Abigail, let's go into this, though. The Running Industry Diversity Coalition. Um, what What is that? Like, I think a lot of people see the words, see the letters R-I-D-C combined together. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know if they know what that is off the first bat, but what would you say? How would you describe R-I-D-C? Yeah, um, it's a lot of letters. It is. But I would say it's mostly simplified in that last part of it, the diversity coalition. So we are about doing this work in partnership with our members of either the running community. So this might be race directors, this might be run club leaders, or the running industry. So you're looking at those big name brands that give us our running gear, our running apparel, Um and it's sort of this, this collective effort to seek out racial justice within the running industry and community, meaning we're looking to create equitable access. So there's a lot of jobs like within running mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't know about, one, because it's the world's best kept secret, but two, because most of the times it's been passed along from one white guy to his other white guy best friend to get him into the job. Um, so we want to break that trend and get more equitable access to employment for, we often use the phrase BIPOC, which is black, indigenous and people of color. That's talking, like you said before, your Latinx, your native and indigenous community, your AAPI, all the above. Um, we're looking to make the running space more inclusive. So you'll see like most of the times we know it's stereotyped, black people are left as sprinters, Typically, they're not even African-American. They're from other countries. We are left out of endurance um, running. So there's a lot of that also happening within the industry. Um, BIPOC are the least likely to be in leadership positions. I believe Black people are less than 1% of leadership, according to our research. Um, Latinx even less as well. Um, so just creating more inclusion and visibility for all those people that the industry has been missing so far. That's what the RIDC is about. And we can't do it by ourselves. It's a lot of work to be done. So we have to do that in partnership with everybody participating in it. So we just sort of help try to guide how that process can go. No, we, we love that. We love that here. That's something that we love to talk about since the genesis of the podcast. Like I know for me, myself, you know, working Working at Hoka and just like finding my my place or, you know, coming up through this running industry, like you don't see other people that look like you. But I'm also like so happy that I get to work in this industry that I'm passionate about being that, you know, started off running in like the second grade, ran in college, worked at a running store, made it all the way up into like marketing wow. with a brand and then getting there and seeing like. And just like forget about the other races, just me being able to be there and be like, man, I didn't know like I didn't know like this opportunity existed for me after I was done with mm -hmm. running track and field when I was like in high school. So like that's always been something that I personally been passionate about, you know, letting other people know that look like me like, hey, bro, we need you over here. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of like there's a lot that you and your perspective can like bring into the space and like we need that here so I'm, I'm super excited to have you on this podcast but like what was that what was that like for you how did you how did you discover the running industry diversity a coalition and were you were you working in the running world uh before this or how did yeah. that start um, so honestly, kind of similar-ish journey to you um, in the fact that I didn't know a lot of this opportunity existed. So prior to working in the running industry, I'm like, you know, my journey is like a lot of people's had a lot of lefts and a lot of rights. <laughs> um, so I started in healthcare. I was actually a recreational therapist, which basically means that I believe in putting um, modes of therapy into activities you enjoy. And a lot of the people I worked with it running came up in that sphere, but I usually worked within like um, physical disabilities, like that kind of how adaptations, things like that. Um, so I was already in the world of like diversity, specifically within um, disability. And then 
I recognize a lot of inequity in healthcare. <laughs> um, and so I've always sort of had this like heart for, for justice, racial justice. At a very young age, I had a strong exposure to racial injustice, being that I'm biracial, so I'm half white and half black. But my mother was disowned from her family for marrying my father. So I grew up with a very like strong awareness of things like this. Um, and I took that to each job that I went to. I went into customer service. I went into event planning and sort of everything like the common theme um, that I took to each job was either starting up some sort of group about <laughs> looking for other minorities working in the, the same companies I was in, or eventually I worked at Fleet Feet, which is a major running retail company. And I joined, I think within a month, even though I was working in customer service, I joined their discussion group. I became a co-leader for that, um, which was like a lot of education around issues of racial justice. And then I eventually um, helped create an, a minority-focused recruitment for uh, an internship program that they had. Um, um, so I helped create that internship program and did a lot there. And then I got my certification in diversity and inclusion from Cornell. Um, so I was just really interested. You just followed your passion. You really yeah, I just followed passion. my passion, really. It found me. And I think like a commonality. Um, so I didn't see myself as a runner through all of this. I was running the entire time, but mm -hmm. I was never competing. Um, and I had a lot of close friends who were track athletes. And a lot of them did not take jobs in the running industry afterwards. A lot of my close friends now who ran all their lives, same sort of story you had, either didn't see themselves as runners or were athletes who did not take on jobs in the industry. So once I got a job in the industry, I was like, oh my goodness, how have we been left yeah. out? How have I been doing all this work this whole time and never saw a space for it? Um, so I really like to say the RIDC found me. Like I was a member from its genesis. Um, I've been close with the board members like from early days of the RIDC. So as soon as a job opened, I mean, it was no, no doubt I was going for that. <laughs> so yeah, it worked out. I feel like your, your entire life you've been helping people like all the way especially from your um the start of like your your career life and recreational therapy like I feel like that's be to be like a therapist just in general is a very it's a very it's a big act of service you know like you have to give a lot of yourself and especially yeah a, a, a super big act of service but how important has that been to you and or do you even see that commonality of like you've been helping people throughout the entire time even at the beginning of this podcast i've been in this interview you're helping out Peyton west promoting promoting her you Girl, feel me? though like, but you have across the theme of trying to help people putting people on and giving them uh making sure they get their uh flowers the respect that they deserve their their acknowledgement you know well thank you for acknowledging that i do really appreciate that and yeah i mean it's been incredibly intentional i would say it's super important to me it's my number one value um as you know like with my podcast and everything i'm obviously very spiritual christianity is huge for me um and like the way of faith has driven my life and very young i never knew i was one of those people who like didn't know what they wanted to be i feel like I was not told that story a lot of how to become something when you don't have a certain like certain category of a job that you want to do. All I knew is that I cared to be like of a servant heart. I wanted to serve. I wanted to help in some form or fashion. And I really wasn't limiting on how that could look. Um, so honestly, if I'm being very direct with my answer, I just prayed throughout a lot of my life to be guided by that in every um, job opportunity that came up, even when it was choosing my major in college, yeah. um, even before that in high school, I was in service organizations. I've always been very intentional in my prayer to, to find opportunities to be a servant to others because selfishly, it is what gives me energy. It gives me my reasoning. It gives me, it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel good um, about my participation in the world. Um, so I've just been blessed with a lot of opportunities to do that, that also align with the things that I love, like my passions, my hobbies, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. Well, we're thankful. We're thankful for you. We're thankful 
you know, you have a you have God's ear and you're following you're following that heart because, yeah, there's so many people you're helping in to be in the RIDC um, as a program manager. We're grateful we need people like you doing those things. But can you describe to us, too, what does the role of the program uh, manager entail? Everything. Um, <laughs> it, it's a lot. I would say primarily I would describe it as like so the the board and our executive director, Kara Smalls, who's amazing, as you know, um, they're like the big visionary, especially Kiara. She's really our like. I would say she kind of helps us see our North Star and stick to it. Um, they come up with like our strategic plan, our major goals. You know, seeking out racial justice is a tough, mm-hmm. um, is a tough goal. So you have to break that down into actual actionable steps. Um, and then my job is taking those goals that they they break that down into and figuring out what programming makes mm-hmm. sense to accomplish that. So that might be coming up with the education. So we're an education-based nonprofit. So I'll look at the needs of the industry, what our research says that we're missing, and then what the goals are of the organization. So if that's to get you know more action-oriented members or to grow our database of people of color within the industry, I'll come up with education that's missing, that's keeping us, like what's the barrier to get us there? Um, So I might create workshops, I might create toolkits uh, for companies or suggest things to add to our research. Um, But I also, I think a big part of what I've tried to do as a program manager is not keep our stuff white facing. Even though a lot of white people hold power in the industry, that doesn't mean that the only ones here. Um, So a lot of the programming you'll see from me is for for the people. Um, that's how we got to the cookout, which I'm, I know we'll talk about in a minute, but also like finding podcasts, finding content that shows we've been here and what are we doing that shows the great displays like that people of color have done for the running community. Um, so I try to find opportunities to like celebrate what's here in yeah. the community. I think that's super important um, to I think it's important to have both, to have the spaces, you know, like, as you said, for those for those white faces when it's appropriate. But I think it's really important to have those spaces that are specifically for the people, black, Asian, all together or whatever, because I was talking to someone that I was talking to someone in my ERG about this at work recently, how, you know, you may get something from a, like I've learned so much from my mentors who have been like white men, women for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for them. But there's something that you get when you're around people who are like you, uh, that you don't realize, like, you might not even realize, especially for black people who are working in this space, and you're constantly only around a certain group, you're only around like white people, then you get into this space with black people, you start talking to them, you're like, man, I didn't even realize I needed this, like, or like, and it, it helps you and impacts you so so much so i think it is really important for those events like like the cookout yeah yeah i think in my life the things that have stood out to them to me the most is when i found my community in places where i didn't realize i needed them the most so like mm. going to a, a predominantly white institution for for college and finding the black community there or you know being in high school feeling othered and then finding your community in these in these spaces and you feel so, it's like a breath of relief. Like you feel like you can take in real oxygen. You didn't know you were holding your breath before, but yes. once you're around, you feel like this sudden comfort, this understanding, you feel seen, you don't have to over explain. And then beyond that, there's this like colorful fabric of life that you get from your community, like just to learn things about how to how to move, um, that we can grow with each other, we can support each other in a way that you just don't get, um, you know, sometimes when you're by, when you're the only one. So I and try the, to create spaces like that. Joshua, let you add, but I just want to say also there's so many different types of people like within your own community too. It's not like yes. you're going there because you want to see all the people that are the same that are like you. It's also like beautiful to see like people that look like you, but they're just like so different. And this is a whole nother conversation because maybe like those deep, yes. yeah, yeah, those deep stereotypes even get ingrained into you 
Like mm-hmm. you didn't even you didn't even know that this like the world around because people are kind of like putting like an expectation on you when you're in these other rooms. But then you go in there and you're just like, oh, no, everyone's so different. They have all these different stories. They have mm-hmm. a crazy different story like me, too. So, yeah, I, I think about this all day. <laughs> I could go on about this. No, all for day. real, though. You're so right. I mean, it's just in and. and uh, like you said, sorry, I know Josh. Yes, <laughs> but but no, to, to what what you said at the end there of like, there's some things we ingrain within ourselves. I think, not to get on a whole tangent, but people think white supremacy is just for white people. No, it's like this indoctrinated belief system that we have as a culture, as a society. And it's these things that get implanted in your head that you don't even realize until you get around your own people and you go, oh, we're all thinking that too. Like that was uncomfortable for you too. Or oh, your hair does that too. Or this, it can be the smallest notes or the biggest things of, hey, I've been dismissed at my job the same way. I didn't even realize, you know, I was told it was about my degree or it was about this other thing. I didn't realize it was happening to us all the same. So if you don't create spaces intentionally, to unify or to be around your community, you miss out on just what you said to see like, one, the commonalities we all share, and then also to see how different <laughs> within this, this thing that the world tries to make us out to be a monolith, we see, oh, actually, no, there's so much diversity and so much vibrancy within this um, that we haven't been tapping into. I, I was just curious as the I'm I'm basically the, the odd man out in this situation as somebody that's not an industry professional. You feel me? I'll be done in school in four weeks. Let's get it. I'll be Ooh, done with school in four weeks. Then I'll be I'll be in the industry. You feel me? I'll, I'll be having to be involved. But uh, as an odd person out and talking about like trying to, you were talking about like celebrating um, those communities and those people that have been in the running industry for a long time that those that have been marginalized but are in those leadership roles celebrating that then Aaron talked about finding that community and how impactful it was for them and even you talked about Abigail how like you you didn't know how much that would mean once you find it I'm just curious how hard is it to find that community like how hard is it to find and like because there's like you said there's so many white facing um companies out there that you could go to but how far how hard is it to find that that black facing company or asian facing company out there and for yeah. people that may be out there that are that are the odd man out at their job and are the only one what would be your motivation like what would be your advice to them to like to help them find their community and like try to find somebody like them if they're feeling left out this is for you and Aaron honestly yeah, great, fantastic question. Um, I think there's a couple of things here. Number one, I've one thing I've learned is people of color are everywhere. If you're not seeing them, you're missing them. Um, so I think the the start is not actually to the people who are looking. It's to the companies. It's to these brands. The call to action is on them first. Is to make it make those spaces available. Make them obvious. Um, so if that is We actually recently created a a toolkit on the importance of employee resource groups. So if you're not familiar, if you're or if you're not in the workforce yet, they're basically uh, Aaron just said he's in one. But um, so you can add to this, maybe. But they're they're Mm -hmm. groups made for a specific um, social identification. It could be you might have some for the. LGBTQ plus community. You might have them for different racial communities. Um, So you might have one just around the black community or Latinx and so on. Um, But it's an intentional time and space for this group to meet and to be with those people, to find those people, because they might be in various departments. They might not be even in the same region. So you might have people virtually that you're missing out on if you don't create opportunities like that. Um, my second piece of advice outside of for brands to make that space more obvious and, and available is for the person looking, number one, tap into the RIDC. We release a lot of resources specifically to address this need. So we're working on, oh, we just created one to find run clubs in your city. Um, you can go on our blog and we have it by city in different states to find BIPOC led run clubs. Again, that's black, indigenous or people of color led run clubs in your community so you can find those people around you. Um, We'll put together, we had a women of color only workshop. So this was for all women of color in the running industry to hop on a call. We had 
um, I think like 150 or more women, all women of color from the running industry, getting on there, sharing contacts, sharing their stories, connecting with each other. Um, we'll have a BIPOC uh, micro career fair coming up. Like we have the cookout, these, these opportunities for parties and celebrations. So we try to supplement where there might not be this space at your job. We'll try to create this space for you because if there's only one of you at your brand, but there's 10 somewhere else and there's 20 at another place, we try to bring you all together and make that collective space. I'm curious, Aaron, if you had anything you want to add to. Yeah, I would just say, I think back, Joshua, for me and you, like, I think this was last year when we did that series on just like black tastemakers, mm -hmm. you know, and it was all based around like the running industry. And uh, we quickly found that like there were people, you know, doing things in the running industry that just maybe they don't get to notice as much, but mm -hmm. I think it's just super important for us to like tell those stories when, they ha when we have the opportunity, but it also was a self-discovery for me and you to be like, dang, no, there is like a black community in the running, in the running industry, in the running world. And I think it's like, also, I feel like it's a, a part of my responsibility to be someone that's like connecting, connecting those dots or like when I see that black person doing that thing or, or whatever, just to say what's up, you know, and just talk to them. And I, I agree with you with the black employee resource groups. I think that's super important. I just think there's a lot that you can really get from those people, even if they're not, in my opinion, I don't even think that they have to be like a super high up person. No. It's just, it's just anybody that, cause they're going to have just a similar experience that only you are going to share for them. So I would say if you're at your job or at work, don't be afraid to like, to reach out or like talk to them. It's not like you're not being like extra or that guy or anything. Just be, just be friendly. You know what I mean? Cause I just feel like you can, you really don't know, but there's like a lot that you're going to, you're going to get from that, that you, that you didn't know. I even think bro, jo like Joe Holder, when we met Joe Holder, Joshua, yeah. like I knew, I had no idea like who this dude was. We, we go, we, we had this podcast, long story short, we had to, we got invited randomly to this podcast with, with Meb, Meb Kaplexi yeah. in New oh. York. And we were like, what the heck? It was like a round table. It was all these people. Joe Holder, if y'all don't know, he's like a health and wellness like advocate on social media. He's super big. I had no idea who that he was. was on Good Morning America. <laughs> yeah, that dude, that dude, this dude is huge. But After like New York City Marathon, that's big. But, but something about like, when he's talking, I'm super, I'm kind of like, I was like a kinesiology major. So I'm a little bit into health and wellness and stuff too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm a runner and stuff, but just seeing how he, once I started following him and I'm like, man, like he's taking this thing like so far and how he did it. Even just forget about him being black, but just me being able to see some of myself in him. And like one thing he talked about the podcast was he said something like everything that you Anything you, like you ever wanted to learn, you could find like in a book. Someone, someone wrote about it. I, I don't know that like, that like stuck, that stuck with me. And like, yeah, I feel like I read a decent amount now. I was, I was already into reading now, but I've only continued to like yeah. do more, more and more and stuff. But like something about that coming specifically from, from him, like as a successful, like black man in his like uh, maybe early thirties or something. I think that like stuck with me in a different way. Maybe thinking, man, maybe that's like some, that's like somewhere I can see myself being, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, it's hard, but it's also like in the same way, I think it's easier than you think, even if it's just like that one other black person at yeah. your job, you know? I will say I've talked to, with this job, it's given me the opportunity to talk to hundreds at this point, thousands of people of color within the running community literally, um, whether in this country, out of this country, beyond. And I'm not exaggerating when I say almost every single one of us shares the same feeling, like we're the only one, or like we can't find the others, or like we've been kept out of the community. Or if we find a community, we find this like one pocket and we can't get outside of that. Um, so I, like you said, it does not matter job title. I mean, I've talked to people at the top of senior leadership um, who feel isolated, who feel like they haven't found a community until they met the RIDC and finally met other people to talk about this with. So really putting yourself out there, if you see somebody trying to connect with them, um, like you said, if you see a story 
about any sort of like, you see a nonprofit, you see a run club, you see something that you're excited about, share it, promote it. Um, Cause the people are there. They're just being missed. And then another last piece of like practical advice, if you can find a, a retail store owned by someone of color in your community or near your community, usually they have a lot of connections. Like if you can just try to get in touch with that, whoever works there or a management there, if you can try to get in touch with the owner, usually a lot of run clubs go through them. Um, a lot of people, they're seeing new faces in their door all the time. Even if it's not owned by a person of color, you can try to start something in connection with a retail store, um, which is a lot of, it's just an easy way to find like the run community because they're already coming there. So just one other piece of advice. That was, that was a lot of great practical advice by you guys. Great, great job. Great job. I think you could <laughs> go into that. Like you can use that outside of running and any, like not even just running industry, just in okay. life in general. Like I'm, I'm, when I go into it, I'm, uh, believe me, I'm definitely the dude that feels like I'm weird. You feel me? And doing too much, but like, I'm trusting y'all that like, I'm not doing too much. So somebody gets <laughs> mad ever. at me. I'm gonna tell us y'all guys' fault, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I think it definitely is great advice. You're not you're not weird. Everybody wants and needs a community for sure. And I love that RDC is doing that, and you're doing that in a big way at at the cookout at TRE, the running event. I, the running event has to be the biggest um, conference for running industry yeah. professionals. Kind of not like that has to be there to do that at the running event. It's super big. What's the cookout about? And like, yeah, what is it about? Uh, this is my baby. This is it. <laughs> this one I'm like thrilled about. So you're right. The running event is the largest trade show in the running industry um, in general. It's huge. If you're not familiar with it and you're listening to this, it's like, I think they have over 10,000 people who attend some crazy number. It's a bunch of brands. I mean, every brand you can think of and brands that you haven't even thought to think of are there um, at this like sort of big exhibit hall. And they they all set up booths to peacock about what they're going to do for the next year or what they've been doing. That's so great. Um, it's really an amazing event. But usually afterwards, all of these brands or a lot of them will throw big parties. Um, and it's sort of just like, it's a it's a get to know who's who. Maybe it's an opportunity to connect with like business deals you haven't been able to or to meet community members you wouldn't otherwise know. But my first experience at TRE was last year. And a lot of our board members have gone multiple years. And it just felt super white. Like that's the best way I can say it. You would go and like, I felt like I was invited to a frat that I was not supposed to be at. Like, it was just like yeah. the the music told me I, it wasn't for me. The food told me it wasn't for me. And the people didn't didn't reflect me. Now, that doesn't say that the people aren't amazing once mm -hmm. you like get to talking. But just that first like visual and that that creates like a discomfort um, that I think we're all familiar with. So last year I was like, we should do our own. <laughs> we should have our own version of this. And not thinking anybody would go along with my idea, but it worked out. So that became the cookout. Um, the name was chosen intentionally. One, because it literally is a cookout. It's all about the food. It's all about the fun. But the name, if you're familiar with like the colloquialism, Black people often say you're invited to the cookout. Um, it's a loaded phrase. It means I'm allowing you to like I'm treating you like family. I'm allowing you to commune with me. I'm trusting you to be around my closest people and in my private spaces, um, which means you have to be all for me and my people, not just myself, but for my community, if you're coming to the cookout. Um, so that's what this is. We're inviting our engaged allies to be part of this. So we have some really amazing sponsors who stepped up to make this event possible. Um, and it's free to people of color. We intentionally set aside for every sponsor. They they purchase tickets and they, on behalf of people of color in the running community, purchase tickets for them. So I think we sold 12 to sponsors, but you get 13 for the BIPOC community with that sponsorship. Um, so we have over like 100 spaces set aside intentionally for people of color to get free access to this event. The event is like it sounds. There will be... 
um, a DJ, there will be a performance, there will be dancing, there will be soul food. It's about to be turn, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a party. Like it's it's a celebration. And I think the biggest part of it is a lot of times we spend a lot of our effort talking about the issues, like talking about the challenges, the barriers, the barriers, the holdups within the BIPOC community. We don't like get celebrated enough. We're often talking, talked about for our struggle, but not for like all the wonderful, great things we are. Um, so this is a space for that. This is a space to like show off, be great and, and celebrate. Yeah, I think yeah. it's super cool. I was stoked when I saw when I saw this event and I love the intention that you have behind this event because the majority, if you're in the running industry, the majority of the events you're going to go to, like races and everything, it's not going to be geared towards you. So at this event where there's so much like conversation and networking that could be happening, like it's and to put, you know, the engage, even even having the engaged allies there along with just like, you know, people of color being able to interact with each other. I think that's yeah. so important. And I think that your messaging and communication around the event has been great and people know what to expect when they get there. I feel like it's going to be really great. Thank you. We're really excited about it for sure. This was like our kickoff into, um, you know, we spent a lot of time doing education about here's how you can go about this. Here's what we recommend. And now we're like, how about we do it? We're going to create our own inclusive event. I, if you don't know, like in 2021, we did a workshop on creating an inclusive event. And so mm -hmm. this event, I'm actually using what we said, this is what you ought to do, and we're going to do it. Um, and then I'm going to create a follow-up workshop to talk about exactly what that looks like. So this is from our vendors, the help we had with event planning team, the photographer, videographer, the performers, everybody has been with the priority of seeking out people of color to put this event together and creating a space for those people. So. No, that's a great point. Cause so brands could come to this and they can learn, take note on like, Oh, this is how, if we want to create like a, a diverse event in the right way, this is how we should go about it. You are setting that standard, setting that example. That's really cool. Thank you. Uh, this is this sounds fire. I, I'm I'm super excited to hear from you. Aaron will be there. Uh, my other brother will be there too. So I'm super excited to hear how this all goes down. The cookout, or for other people, this may be the carne asada or the uh, the menudo. Or uh, exactly. Honestly, I can't go. I don't have a super long <laughs> list. That's really the the list. That my list kind of runs out. Or it be Sunday dinner for other people. But like, I'm super excited <laughs> for this opportunity. Before we get out of here. Abigail, I just want to know because I bet people there's bet there's people listening to this podcast that may have not heard about RDC, but they're hearing about all this such great work. How can we help out? How can we support RDC and all your guys' efforts in the future? Love this question. Um, let me rewind to say when the cookout is, because I don't even think I said that. It's <laughs> November 29th, so it's coming up real soon. Um, it's in Austin, Texas, and it starts at 6:30. So if you want to get in, come early um, and there'll be food for everybody. So that's included. And then as far as getting engaged with the RIDC, of course, you can show up. We can, you can connect with us there. You can also find us at running runningdiversity.com. Um, if you want to get involved, there is a button that says get involved. So we make it real simple. There's a lot of ways to engage with us. Um, we're always looking for members. So that's the the brands or companies who want to partner to help accomplish this work, um, financial partners with the RIDC. We are also looking for just our community. So we want to we want to know you. We want to connect you to the opportunities that we're creating or we're finding. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at Running Diversity. Um, that's like the main way we communicate. Mm -hmm. um, we're also on Facebook, I believe, under the same name. And... I think those are like the big ones. I think that's 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 how you can find us. You can find me on LinkedIn at Abigail Holly on LinkedIn. And we're also on LinkedIn at the Running Industry Diversity Coalition on there.
Bro, that was a good interview. That was a good interview. It went a lot of different directions, went deep, got to learn a lot of information about RDC. Like, I'm excited for you and Caleb going to that. No, for real, man. And like, it's Caleb's going, our boy Julian Curry, who was, he works at the exchange. If y'all remember, we did the Festival of Miles thing. He's going to be there. Um, who else? Maybe Demetra. Demetra might, Demetra might pull up. My boy oh, yeah. Daniel from on might come through. So I already starting to like kind of build my little black network. So I'm excited to keep on like building and just meeting, meeting people like that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people there that, that I know, um, which is, which is cool, which is cool. Especially from the genesis of this podcast, like how we talked about like find the black community in the running world. I think we're doing a great job because we got our media partners who I want to get more involved in like, you know, like when she's saying like those workshops and stuff, like I feel like we could be the, those media type of people that are kind of like involved in this in a way. And I feel like that will help us and help them. But just connecting all of those dots, I think we're, we're right in the middle of that. So it's cool to always, you know, just stay in touch with it. Yeah. And I really feel like RDC is doing something because I feel like oftentimes like we'll talk about like running media and be all like, man, running media is definitely like behind the eight ball on a lot of things. But I feel like RIDC is like getting ahead of the game and like yeah. what they're doing. Like they're right on their own perfect timing of what they're doing and trying to create this community for create this uh, BIPOC community and just be able to like have so many people involved. So like they're on perfect timing at the moment, standing on business. You know what I mean? Standing on business. <laughs> on business. And that's what a lot of people are going to be doing. And at the University of Virginia this Saturday, November 18th, is going down the NCAA Cross Country Championships. Honestly, bro, this is the biggest day of cross country every single year in the world. Like, honestly, the World Cross Country Championships are cool, but like, this is bigger than the World Cross Country Championships. Everybody will be tuned in to the NCAA Cross Country Championships this weekend, this Saturday. The women's race starts at 10.20 a.m. The men are followed at 11.10 a.m. You can watch all the action on ESPNU and the ESPN app beginning at 9.30. Uh, go, 9.30 Eastern time, let me say that. 9.30 Eastern time is when it's all going down. As we get ready, hyped up for NCAAs, Aaron, let's play a game of Would You Rather. West, the regionals meets all happened this past weekend. So we got to see some of the final forms of these teams as we go into NCAA championships. So let's preview. Let's play Would You Rather. First one right here, Aaron. Would you rather defend your NCAA cross-country title this year or return as the NCAA runner-up trying to take down the Giant? Oh. If I came in, if I came in as the runner-up, I'll be coming in with some vengeance. Of course, you want to be the champion. Why would you not want to be the champion going for two in a row? But I think it's an easier position coming in as that runner-up, low-key. Because you got something you got something to prove. You got that chip on your shoulder. And especially if it's the same person that beat you the, the time before, beat me once, shame on me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the exact position that Parker Valby of Florida is going to be in this weekend. She got... Hey, Caitlin Tui smacked through that last K last year as NCAA championship. Caitlin Tui getting her first NCAA title, but now Parker Valby is back with the vengeance and she smacked Caitlin Tui at the Nutty Comb Cross Country Invitational. So that's going to be an epic battle right there between Caitlin Tui and Parker Valby. Who will win the battle this time? Next up, Aaron, would you rather win your first NCAA team championship in school history or would you rather complete a three-peat winning the team title for your school? Okay, it depends. If I'm if I was someone that was on the team from e for each championship, I'm going with the three-peat. You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. like that's crazy. That's that's crazy. That's just not, not never done. But same thing, winning your first championship ever. Dang. It's pretty epic. But I'm going to go with the 3 P. I'm going to go with the 3 P. Really? The 3 P. That's what NC State is on. They're on a mission to win their third NCAA championship in a row. They'll actually be the third team to do that. Villanova, you know, actually won like seven times in a row, like in the 
80s or something like that. I just found it out today. But then also, I believe Stanford also won three team titles in a row as well. But so it'll be the third team to do that if they accomplish that this Saturday. But they're gonna have to get through NAU, who's just looking dominant. I would, I would, I think I'd rather be the first team in NCAA like for my for my school program history. I want to be NAU. I want to be the NAU woman and take them down, bro. That's gonna be that big race, honestly. That's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. But if you the NA, you could be Futsum. If your team keeps on winning, though, like that third, like then it's just like, oh, yeah, you were the start of it. But if y'all lose the next year, it's just like, I mean, you'll always be remembered in your school history, but they're going to be remembered in national history like forever if they get a three-peat. I guess so. Yeah, but one of, they're going to go down as one is the most dominant ever. But also, in this situation, they could be also be known as shutting down a dynasty too. That's pretty epic. That's pretty. That's pretty epic for the NAU. Slaying the world. dragon. We'll see it. Up. And there's something really epic that happened at West Regionals that I want to talk about. So, would you rather be the low stick, helping your team make NCAA's, or the third or second man making a difference by a tenth of a second, helping your team make NCAA's? You know what? A lot of people are gonna be like, "Yeah, I run to be the fastest guy on the team." But you know who really gets all the glory in those situations? It's that, what was, it's Danny Diaz. What, that was his name? <laughs> oh, McFarland? Uh, yeah. McFar Danny Diaz. Do y'all remember in McFarland when Danny Diaz was, bro, you might have to play the clip, when Danny Diaz was hawking down people in the last last 100? Said, that's not Danny Diaz. Is that that's Danny not Danny Diaz. Nobody care about the low stick, bro. Nobody care about the low stick. They, even the low stick don't care about himself. He like, yo, I'm going to do my job. I need one of y'all to step up, though. If you could be that dude that steps up and by a tenth of a second, bro, you getting all the glory. So I, I, I would, I would say that that would be my pick. And that was definitely what Portland teammates Daniel Abdallah, friend of the show, and Jonah Bordiski, Bordurski, Jonah Bordurski. I don't know if I'm saying that man's name right, but hey, Daniel won't let me know. They finished 18th and 20th, and everyone around them they beat by a tenth of a second, claiming NCAA's. A's. If they would have lost in any time, in any way. Of that That's tenth of a second, CBU would have went in at NCAA's, or you could have been Matt Strangio surprising the field, finished second place behind Kai Robinson. Wait, so CBU Portland. didn't make it? No, they pushed CBU out. We love to see that over here. I'm sorry, we APU man. That, that was our rivals, bro. We love to see that. We prayed on y'all downfall. No, I'm just kidding. CBU, who? Yeah, hey, come on, man. That's we crazy. Ate. That's crazy, bro. Why you, you disrespect the Riverside County like that? We Shit, I'm Riverside. sorry, bro. I, I'm still. I'm a Cougar. I got. I'm a APU. Got Cougars. We got go Cougs, man. We got Nationals next week. So no, no, let them know. Lastly, right here, bro. Would you rather want your school to have the most team championships in NCAA history or the most individual championships? And NCAA history. I would rather say I want team because it's cross country. It was track is different. I want the most team championships. I feel like that's what a lot of Oregon. Uh, I feel like that's what a lot of NAU people are gonna be saying to Oregon this past weekend. We've had been having the conversations. Of what's really Track Town USA right now? Is it Eugene? Is it Flagstaff? You feel me? Oregon uh, men are even gonna make it to NCAA's this year. NAU will have the men and women there, but Oregon has the most individual winners on the men's side, obviously with some legends of Steve Prefontaine, Galen Rupp, and Edward Cheserick. But then NAU is currently tied with Oregon for the most team titles in NCAA history on the men's side with six. But if they win this Saturday, they'll be tied for third with, with third with UTEP for seven championships. I think that's just interesting. NAU and Oregon going back and forth. NAU's kind of even they have no individual winners yet, but like they're definitely moving up in the ranks as more legendary than Oregon. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, they're right there. Flagstaff is just the place everybody goes to train. Mike Smith is training professionals now, too. So hey, Flagstaff is, is is one of the meccas, bro. It's definitely a mecca of running in this country. People from outside of the country move to Flagstaff to train. People don't come from outside the country and move to Eugene. I'm not even going to cap. And you said that with no excitement at all, bro. Like, golly. I mean, I mean, hey, bro, shout out to my boys, Coop. Shout out to my boy, Grant. Got to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? That's good. I actually seen this thing. Uh, 
I didn't go into I didn't go into super far into it because we didn't have time to put into the show uh, today. But I think on Let's Run, they're saying that like Mohamed, there was like an article, not just like on a on a uh, on a thread. Oh, uh, that like Justin Knight, Evan, just Justin Knight, Justin Knight, Evan Yeager, and Mohamed said like they're happy, they're happy with a BTC and like um, there, there's no problems after leaving with those three leaving. Like everybody's happy. They said Yeager said that there was a negative vibe when they first moved to Oregon, but like everyone has a positive mindset and like yeah, everybody's cool. They're chilling. I, I love to I love to hear that. That's good. I'm happy that they happy. You know, everybody happy. You know, if you the it's the, the people that wanted to dip from Eugene were able to, you know, get out there and spread their wings. So man, just hoping Justin Knight comes back healthy. I like Justin Knight, Moa Med, that's Loki, that's tough. That's tough right there. So Canada boys, bro. Like I just hope that he comes back healthy because he is one of the best in the world he's very capable of being a metal contender yeah so. and a good personality too like somebody that's a dog that like wants it and like as we've seen somebody that was dominant on the ncaa scene in cross country especially like straight a straight dog so i hope hope he comes back too hopefully evan yeager gets a couple more years as well uh to really like puts put something together i would love to see him and hillary battling it out at the olympic final again for it's very u.s and the steeple i think we will i think evan he's gonna get it to, he's gonna get together he's gonna get he just has to get healthy as long as he's healthy he'll probably be on the he's gonna be on the team in my opinion hillary gonna be on the team bro that was just unfortunate last year no yeah 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 we gotta get him back on the or we gotta do it on a podcast or something like do a short interview before uh like during track season or something because yeah that dude that's a, i think he's about to he's about to eat once he ready again bro he was running good hillary was running good but uh yeah let's let's get out of here because this podcast is probably getting long thank y'all appreciate y'all for coming back on the podcast listening with us man it's been a pleasure been killing it for the past seven eight weeks however long it's been i also put this out there man if y'all been rocking with us definitely on this new format this new injection of life in the two black runners podcast hey leave us a review man leave us a review on apple Podcasts. share it with a friend definitely this podcast would be a great one to share right here we'll be diving into rdc and so much about what they're doing for the bipoc community and like yeah bro leave us a review like this podcast five stars you know or you do four three or two or whatever just you know, give, give yourself something, man. Yeah, give your opinion, bro. We like to hear. We like to hear what, what you want, what you don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah, but appreciate y'all. Definitely the ones that listen all the way through to the end of the podcast. You truly are a real one. I know I haven't been saying that, but y'all still some real ones. So appreciate y'all sticking with us. We're gonna have another one coming at you next week on the podcast. I'm excited about that one. It's gonna be with my uh, alumni APU. So be on the lookout for that as well but until next time we will see you on a tuesday a two black tuesday if that let's get it